You're listening to Sounds Good, the podcast that makes your sounds sound good. Welcome to episode 10. Coinciding with the release date of this 10th episode, some of the episodes of Sounds Good have been downloaded over a thousand times. So thanks for your continued support and all the emails and suggestions. In this 10th episode we'll be looking at the differences between auxes and buses in Logic and compare how these work in Logic and Pro Tools. We'll also look at a really great metering program called Spectre from Audiophile Engineering and we'll be listening to some drum and bass from the Loopmasters Drum and Bass Masterclass sample CD. But let's start with auxes and buses in Logic and how they are different. The confusion starts with the definition of a bus. For one thing we have bus lines in Logic. These are invisible. It means we can send a signal to a bus and pick up this signal somewhere else. The most of them we'll ever see is when we say send X amount of signal to bus Y. Then we have bus objects, which are clearly visible in our Logic environment. They look almost identical to audio track objects or audio instrument objects, with the main difference being that bus objects don't have sense. We can also see bus objects in our arrange window, which is very handy when we have to do bus automation. To add to the confusion, we can also use aux objects. Aux objects look identical to audio track objects. So why would we use one or the other? Or if you've never used an aux object, why would you ever want to do that? The answer is a matter of flexibility in defining our signal path. With aux objects we can do things that are impossible with bus objects. There's only one thing a bus object can do that an aux can't and that's actually change the bus signal itself. A bus object is bound to one specific bus. It always has that bus as its input and whatever we do in that bus object changes the bus signal. So if we create a new bus object we have to tell it which bus it's linked to. We can still choose to output it to yet another bus or directly to an output. With an aux object on the other hand we can freely choose which bus to use as an input. In fact when we create an aux object it doesn't know which bus to use as input yet. An aux object can also use our sound card's input instead of a bus. An aux object can also send to a bus, just like our audio or instrument tracks. This gives us an immense array of possibilities when we want to define the signal path of our audio. To illustrate this, let's do something that's impossible to do with bus objects. We'll start with an instrument track that plays a little phrase. In the sense of our instrument track, we send to bus 1. Let's leave it at minus infinite for now. To briefly send our track to bus 1 using automation, say at a level of minus 3 dB, here's a very handy way to edit your automation data. We switch to track automation and make sure we are currently editing send 1. Now we hold down Ctrl, Shift and Option and draw a rubber band around the send 1 graph where we want to briefly send the signal to our bus. Although it looks as if we have created two automation points, we have in fact created four automation points. This becomes obvious when we drag the inner line upwards. This is a very easy way to quickly create dynamic bus sense or whatever other temporary changes you wish to make to automation parameters. But let's not digress. We temporarily send to bus 1. Now instead of using a bus object in our logic environment, we'll use an aux object. 
It's easiest for our experiment to only have a single aux object and delete all existing bus objects. We make bus1 the input of our newly created aux object. The output is our regular output. As the first insert of this aux object we will use a pitch shifter. Set semitones to 1 and mix to 100%. As the second insert we'll use a tape delay. Set it at 1 bar, 0 feedback, 0% dry and 100% wet. And now for the special trick we will send to bus 1, something like minus 3 dB. Can you already figure out what's going to happen next? Let's listen! The amazing thing is that this will continue forever, even if we stop playback in Logic. So this is a bit of a weird example, but you may already see how feedback loops can be actually useful at some point. And even this weird little pitch shifting example can be turned into something useful if you automate some of the parameters to stop it from going on forever. If you recall the 1987 record Playgirl by Baby and Keys, they probably did more or less the same thing in hardware. With aux objects we can have several different aux objects that all have the same bus input. One may have a delay, one a phaser, one may output directly to your outputs, another may output only to another bus, yet another aux track may output to one or the other and send a bit to another bus. So if we want to make really complex subgroups and chains of processors, auxes are the way to go. So how does this work in Pro Tools? Well, just like Logic, Pro Tools also has the concept of buses as invisible lines through which your audio can travel. We can use a bus as the input or output of just about any kind of track in Pro Tools. We also have aux tracks that work quite similar to those in Logic. Can Pro Tools also do cool feedback loops? The answer is yes. Both audio and aux tracks can have a certain bus as its input and send to that same bus. This allows us to do wacky retro stuff like this. Here we have an aux track that uses a time adjuster delay, followed by a one-band EQ3 in Pro Tools 7.3.1. We output to this aux track from an audio track, and at the same time we send the signal back into the same bus. It's time for a small logic trick. Do you know this situation? You click in the top ruler of logic to set the song position pointer. But you aim a little high and cycle mode is engaged. Cycle mode uses the last cycle setting and when you play back, you're entirely at the wrong point in your song. Here's something you can do about it. Set your snap mode to bars. Set cycle to 1 bar, then reduce it back to 0 bars. Cycle range has a length of 0. There you go. No matter where you click, cycle mode is not engaged unless you manually create a new cycle range. You can even save this in your autoload song. Our next program to look at is Spectre, which is created by Audiophile Engineering. So what is Spectre? Well, it's every meter you would ever want. A real-time audio multi-analyzer. Need an oscilloscope? Spectre has it. 
need a Spectre full kind of meter? Spectre has that too. Nice vintage VU meter? No problem. And we're not just looking at some pre-configured VU meter. You'll find industry standards K12, K14, K20, Nordic Peak and even surround meters if your hardware supports it. There's a wizard style assistant that lets you create every meter you ever dreamed of. Easily hook it up to your hardware and start looking at your audio in new ways. I can also happily report that Spectre runs totally real-time and glitch-free on my Core 2 Duo MacBook Pro. For every meter you can set your own colors. You can pause your meter and inspect what's happening. Where applicable you can change the speed of the meter too or adjust its frequency response. Or even the ballistics of the meter. So how do we use this standalone program with something like Logic? We insert an AU NetSend plugin from the audio unit section of your plugins. Then in Spectre's preferences menu we'll choose Inputs, Network. If we configure AU NetReceive and point it to our instance of AU NetSend it connects right away. For ease of use set Spectre's default channels to Network Input 1 and 2 and you're ready to go. Here's a Lisa Zhu meter connected to both channels of Logic. No matter what kind of audio engineering you're doing, I can guarantee you're instantly hooked to this program. Now you can have the VU meters in Logic you always wanted with your personal rise and fall ballistics. Find the link in the show notes for this ultimate metering beauty of a program, which comes at a bargain price too if you ask me. Our Loop CD is drum and bass masterclass by Loopmasters. This is an unparalleled collection of pure drum and bass samples produced by David Carbone. The CD features 20 drum kits, over 230 breakbeat samples, 50 plus speaker shaking bass lines, atmospheric pads, keys, musical loops, sweeps, effects and more than 60 pre-mapped instrument patches for your sampler of choice. As usual with Loopmaster sample CDs there's an audio CD for easy auditioning. The CD is Mac and PC compatible and works with just about every software package. And of course every sample is guaranteed copyright free for using your music. Find a link to David Carbone's Drum and Bass Masterclass Loopmaster Sample CD in the show notes. If you go there now and use the coupon code that's currently visible in the enhanced podcast window, you'll get a nice discount too. As a last tip, if you're a user of Isotope's plugins, check out the instructional videos on their website. For instance, if you want some information about using Ozone's multiband compressor, you will find a video about just that on the Isotope website. And that concludes episode number 10. The music in this episode was created by Soplerfo, courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network. Soplerfo is Sam Brelsford. He makes mostly quiet, offbeat music. Thanks for listening and we'll talk again next time. <laughs>